broken pan. And any barmaid can be a star maid if she dances with or without a man. Hooray for Hollywood! Well, you're terrific if you're even good. Where anyone at all from Shirley Temple to Amy Semple is equally understood. Go out and try your luck. All right, everyone. Hello and welcome to Damn You Hollywood. Up on the chopping block this week, uh, the latest adaptation of A Wrinkle in Time. I'm Robert Winfrey, and uh, I'd like to apologize at the outset of this particular episode. This is going to be not good. Uh, <laughs> why, this are is we, just, why are we this always is just apologizing? I feel like every week, every welcome to damn you Hollywood. We're sorry. <laughs> what the hell? Haven't you, come, come on, Mark. We're both white men and are you know over the age of thirty. We are supposed to apologize for the world at this point, right? Uh, that's racist. Um, but I, yes, it is, is. But that's what I've been told. <laughs> Why are we apologizing this week, white man? Because this what? movie sucks. White man come to pillage my village. Because he know how to take over. I mean, really, you have. I mean, come on, you have Iron Maiden's uh, "Run to the Hills" at your disposal, and you went with that one. Do you even know what that is? You not no. punk listening guy, you. That's um, "Kill All the White Man" by No Effects. Kill all the white man. Uh, that would be why I've never man. heard of it. Ah, you know, not a fan of No Effects, huh? Not really. Not I'm not a fan of, of a lot of things. Not a fan of that Cali punk scene from, you know, the 80s. Not a fan of punk. Ugh. I could have gone with Kill All the White People by uh, Typo Negative. Would, that, would, that, would I have scored higher? Would I have done better? Would I have gotten closer to the mark? Only if you actually sang in the style of Typo Negative. Kill All the White People, then we be free. We uh, I'm not friend. sure you you, na, 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 na. you don't have the vocal you don't have the vocal range to I'll pull try off. not to scream directly into the microphone again hence the you can't like don't worry about it like you can enjoy their music you don't have to emulate it kill all the white people ba, na, 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 then we be free we be free da, 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 da. who color black power destroy white all right, boy all right. All right. Look, hang on look <laughs> I've put a very hard cap on our BS time of 10 minutes at this point <laughs> we only get 10 minutes to screw around before we actually have to start talking about the movie uh, okay the, the opening stick has been reduced to 10 minutes and we've used up 3 of them got it <laughs> I, I feel 10 is fair I mean 20 we lose the audience <laughs> at, the, at 30 minutes we lose each other which is which has happened yes all right. That has happened in the past. For those of you who are not <laughs> deeply familiar with this show, that has happened. All right. Mark, Mark what if you um, think of this movie? I don't know, dude. I'm on Amazon shopping for comics. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I believe that exact conversation has taken place. I got a source material coming up, and I care more about being prepared for that than this show. Shut up. <laughs> All right, host man, host away. Uh, yeah, again, tonight we are reviewing A Wrinkle in Time. This is the second adaptation of the relatively well-known 1962 novel that middle schoolers everywhere are invariably forced to read. I never read it. Really? Yeah, I've never read that or Fahrenheit 51. I did read Johnny Tremaine, though. 
of all of the, I read Johnny Tremaine. I read Of Mice and Men. Uh, I read Death of a Salesman. I've never read A Wrinkle in Time or Fahrenheit 451 or The Outsiders, for that matter. Uh, I can I can vouch for Fahrenheit 451 as being at least somewhat interesting, but uh, I mean, at, at some point, I am going to have to at least discuss some of the significant differences between the novel and the film, but only in as much as it's relevant to actually critiquing the film, because no, they changed things. Yes, they're going to do that. It's a movie, not a not a novel. Things change. I read the story of O in high school. Do you know what the story of O is? I am well aware of the story of O. Thank you. All right, whatever. Not everyone knows what the story of O is. It's French pornography. It's damn entertaining. It's better in the original French. <laughs> Have you read it in the original French? Uh, maybe when I read French, I did. Ooh la la! But you fancy man, you. The only language I wish I read that I don't is Italian, because I'm sick of like all the different variations and translations of Dante's Divine Comedy that I have to go through until I find one that I believe is accurate and appropriate. I would so much rather just read it in Italian, but I don't speak or read Italian, so sucks to be me. Let's move on before I start telling you how much I want to go see Five Finger Death Punch in concert. You should. I'm trying to. Got to convince the wife to spend the money. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> just the, the death knell of all adventures. <laughs> yeah, you ain't you ain't just whistling Dixie Dixie Buster. All right, all right. Away, sir. Wrinkle in time. Again, part of the reason that this might this is a slightly protracted entrance is there's not a whole lot to talk about here. This is just not good. But Mark had a schedule. Mark filled the schedule, and on it was 2018's A Wrinkle in Time. Well, Mark, in my defense, had it not been for Black Panther, this would have been the number one movie of the weekend. That is not in your defense. <laughs> Considering okay. Black Panther is like four weeks old. But, I'm say- but what I'm saying is, had Black Panther not come out when it did, A Wrinkle in Time was the number one movie of the weekend. So what? You know, with, with its like $20 million take. All right. It wasn't $20 million. Thank you very much. Oh, 41.9. <laughs> there you go, Binky. Uh, now, Mark, I know that you put this on the schedule because you have... I mentioned it last week. Like The first time you took your daughter to Disney World, they tranked you, and they inserted a microchip into your brain that affects your levels of dopamine, rendering you now incapable of not at least purchasing or seeing all things Disney-related. They've just slowly, over the past five years, conditioned you to associate happiness with all things Disney. And my big question to you now is, has that actually affected the way you perceive the world in the sense that this is made by Disney, therefore it's good? Or are you still in the, it's made by Disney, therefore I must see it phase of this particular bit of brainwashing? Look... Let's, let us consider the facts. This is a well-known novel. Um, that apparently you never read. That I never read. That's okay. I, I didn't do a lot of what I was supposed to do as a kid. Um, but this is a well-known novel. Uh, this was being geared towards children. I have children. Uh, this was being made by the number one studio on Earth that generally puts out good pictures 
Those seems to be <laughs> those seems to be there. There it is. There's that conditioning. Generally good pictures. I just I I can't remember where I'm drawing this from, but it's the the old you know the pitcher throws the slow ball, and it might have been a Bugs Bunny cartoon where you know where the guy's swinging the bat. And it's one two three, you're out, and then like the ball just keeps going, and another one comes up to hit it. He goes one two three, you're out, and then another one comes up to hit it. One two three, you're out, and the guy just breaks They're the all bat just over swinging his knee. before it even gets to the plate yeah and and i feel like between tomorrowland and the bfg and now a wrinkle in time that's about as that's about as close a metaphor for the disney proper production studios for live action films as i can think of they just keep throwing them and and they keep missing thank god for marvel and star wars i mean really they are a better at a better analogy i think might be you know, Chris Vaughn, the pitcher from Major League, because it's just a bit outside. <laughs> as, he, as he hits the umpire with the ball. Yes. That, <laughs> I, sorry, I forget that there's people who may not have seen that movie. And it's Rick yeah. Vaughn, by the way. Rick Vaughn, excuse me. Yeah, he misses badly with a pitch, and the commentator, because he's the local guy who has to broadcast the Cleveland Indians it's game. Bob Euchre, for God's sake. I know. I know. <laughs> I was referring to the, you know, Within the context of the film, not who the guy is in and of himself. Like, no, no, yeah, it's Bob Uecker. Okay. Just a bit outside. And I see, you know, again, beam someone five feet away from the plate. <laughs> so that's why it, it's on the schedule. This was a major release. We try to review all the major releases. There were some of them that we skipped for one reason or another. <clears throat> Ocean's 8. But, um... You know, for the most part, I try to keep to the major motion picture releases from the big studios that are meant to be, if not entirely successful, at being uh, big-time blockbusters. And God help them, they tried. I mean, they loaded it up with the nuclear missile that is Oprah Winfrey. They put in in there the suddenly ultra-liberal Reese Witherspoon. They put black children in it. Black children, Robert Winfrey. I, hang, okay, hang on. I I have so many issues with this pertaining to all of that. Okay. And I I do want to address them, but let's go ahead and address address the plot of the film before I, I explain more. why it's so terrible. I have one more. They put Mindy from the Mindy Project in there, and when all else fails, they had Chris Pine with a beard. This should have been successful, but it wasn't. No, it should not have, no. and I will explain why. Okay. But for your plot synopsis, for anyone not aware of the story of <laughs> A Wrinkle in Time, be that the first film, it was a 1990s, I will find out because this is going to bother me until I do. It was a 2003 television film, that's what it was. And now we have the 2018 film, if you haven't done that or if you haven't read the book... I'm about to spoil things. Again, this book came out in 1962. You're as bad as the people who complain that I spoiled the ending of The Hobbit. (laughs) You all suck. Wait, Thorin dies? The book is older than you are. Read. (laughs) Lazy-ass people. Anyway. uh, We open with... I forget exactly where we open. We follow predominantly throughout this particular film uh, the character of Meg. Who is... Meg. Meg. Sorry. 
I mean, I kept wanting to go Who Let You Back on the film studio, but... <laughs> Family Guy jokes aside, who let you back in the plot? I mean, really, <laughs> but... She's dealing with crappy teenage angst because angsty teenager pertaining to the disappearance of her father. He disappeared four years ago. And she's not dealing with that well, as one might imagine, and she has an adopted brother because multiculturalism. No other reason. And I will get I will complain about that later. <laughs> Seriously complain about that. But she has an adopted Asian brother and who is a child prodigy and she's got she's an incredibly intelligent young woman but if only she'd straighten up and fly right uh, so we get to deal with a little of that we are slowly introduced to the uh, what do they call them the Miss W's yes uh, Mrs. Who Mrs. What's It Mrs. I can never remember the third one which uh, that's yes which. Mrs. Which the witch she was, the was he was, because, 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 because of the wonderful things she does. I hate you for that so much. <laughs> Who are, anyway, they, have, they exist and they have arrived at this particular spot in Southern California because not only has their father gone missing, but his, and this is never actually explained, but his desire to get home is such a palpable thing that they were able to feel it across the various dimensions of space and time. So they show up, they take Meg, they take Charles Wallace, they take token white guy Calvin. And we are going to find him because he discovered how to fold space and time through, te through the use of tesseracts, which are an interesting metaphysical, uh, not metaphysical, but an interesting theoretical physical construct that allow, again, the folding of space and time. He discovered how to do this simply oh, through the power of the it's mind. also a cosmic cube in the Marvel Universe. Again, it folds space and time. That's what it does. And that's why the, that's why the space stone in that instance is referred to as the Tesseract, because it folds space and time. Once Thanos extracts the Infinity Stone, it will no longer be the Tesseract, it will just be the Space Stone. But Thank you, Mr. Wizard. You asked, I answered. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, they are taken on a magical journey across various planets in the universe by giant Oprah. I mean, I really didn't need that. Like, I lived through 1992, I've already seen giant Oprah. Okay, this wasn't necessary. Uh... They eventually discover that their father has been kidnapped by the It. I mean, really? And this is this goes back to the author. Like, you couldn't have just gone with the Id. ID. We all know what this is. And that's all it is. Well, sort of, actually. That might be an unfair criticism. I'd have to read the book again. Anyway. Don't know what you want me to say here. As it pertains to the film, that's not necessarily accurate, but anyway. Anyway, I'll deal with it later. I have other things. So he exists now in their shadow planet. As It is the, the source of all darkness in the universe, and they represent light. They can't actually take you there. And once they know, oh, he's here because they are guided by the stoned saint that is Zach Galifianakis. God, I hate him. Uh, but the sheer force of will from Mag when they try to return to Earth to replan how they're going to rescue him, because, hey, who needs planning? 
or forethought. They are then she the, the sheer force of her will hijacks their ability to travel and instead deposits them on this planet. Uh, they are given last bits of advice from the three W's and set off across an ever-changing landscape to try and find Chris Pine. Along the way, they encounter evil Michael Pena, which is really just Michael Pena. Uh, Charles Wallace is possessed by the It. What's they find name? their father, Charles Wallace. Who? The kid. The kid. What? What's his name again? You're doing a bit, aren't you? <laughs> I am. Yes, I okay. am. And I will ignore it. <laughs> what's his name again? As, they only said a, it. They only said it fifty times, fifty million times in the film. No never, kidding. Never once. Much Charles. like, oh, run! It's getting closer. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I have so many issues with the dialogue in this movie, but let me Charles, finish this. I mean, Charles Wallace. A rock's going to hit you in the head. Charles Wallace. Charles Wallace. Charles Wallace. Anyway, he is possessed by the it, which is... Move along, Charles Wallace. Yes, yes. Which is... In the book, it's just a giant brain. Here, it's represented more as the synaptic connections as opposed to the looking at it from the outside, but artistic choices, I suppose. Anyway, as Charles Wallace tries to drag them to meet the it, where they will all presumably be brainwashed and consumed and... We, we don't like, no, no, the specifics he, of how the, bad this is. What's the kid's are, name are actually, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no. The specifics are not actually made clear, but as they are try, as they're being drugged to their horrible doom, <laughs> uh, Chris Pine realizes that he can test her again because now there's light in his life. It, it, there's such a severe lack of actual explanation in this film. It's shocking. Uh, he tries to tesseract himself and Calvin and Meg away so they can come back with proper planning and equipment and actually make a go of this, but hey, screw that, because I'm an angry teenager. She doesn't go. She is instead drugged to the center of the it, which is, again, a giant brain, in this instance represented as synaptic connections. She is able to overcome the it's hold on Charles Wallace and some of her own insecurities because, daw. By expressing love, Charles Wallace is freed, the it is weakened, they are returned home where they can continue taking up the cause of social justice. And that's basically the end of the movie. I, did I miss anything major here? Do you want to? Do you feel I've given anything an unfair shake before we actually get into what's so catastrophically wrong with this film? I mean, I, I could, except that you explained it better than I could have ever understood it. I, <laughs> <laughs> really? Both my wife and I walked out of that movie and we, we we had similar reactions. I was like, so what did you think of that? And she was like, I feel like for the last two hours, the writers of the movie were telling me to love my children more and be a better parent. That's all I got out of this movie. I didn't even get that much. I I don't know when this book was written, but I feel like... It 1962. Was, yeah, it, 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 this book uh, screamed published. the 60s. You know, it, it, this book just screamed Psychedelica, the 60s. You know, we don't need nothing but our minds, man. I feel like this movie would have been much more appreciated while ingesting substances. 
substances for the mind. Pot, if you will. Mar- marijuana. Um, I honestly was bored as fuck through most of it, confused through some of it, and, uh, and utterly disinterested through the whole thing. And I like a good science fiction story, and I liked the idea of... Uh, of them trying to explain, you know, metaphysics to people and, you know, the idea of if only you you can tap into a part of your mind, you will allow yourself to travel through, you know, through uncharted parts of the universe. Great. Then we got into there's there, the, there's magic, there's magic um, vines in the universe that have kidnapped him for what reason? I'm not entirely sure. And they won't let him go. And then the kid shows up, and and then she and then she has to save the brother from the magic vine, the magic evil vines, and she does because she loves him. And then the movie's over. So you know, what my biggest problem with this movie was that he was that Chris Pine was gone for four years. Beard didn't change at all. I know. You'd think they could have addressed the fact that he looked exactly the same. Like, do, does that planet exist outside of our normal understanding of space and time? I which is fine. Which is fine. If it does, great. Like, when, when he says, how long have I been gone? And she says, four years. I Like, all he has to say is it's only been two months here. Right. Like, oh, like, I, I mean. I've experienced no passage of time. It feels like I left yesterday. Like Done. there's a significantly better version of essentially that interaction in uh, Interstellar. Where <laughs> is that the space bookshelf movie? Ugh, I hate that you say that. You know, I really, really do. <laughs> I do it just to get your goat. I mean, you haven't even seen the film. I have not. But no, there's a significantly better version of that interaction when Matthew McConaughey and I can never remember that lady's name. And Hathaway? Yes. They wind up going down to a planet that exists that is orbiting a black hole, but it's close enough to the black hole that time actually is different but when, where, from where that is to like the general flow of time outside of it. And due to a malfunction, I mean, they eventually get off, but by the time they get back out of orbit of this planet and whatnot, it's been like... Oh... 20 years have passed on Earth for the 15 minutes they were stuck on that planet. Oh, and he, um, another really good he, version of that is in the uh, the Orville, where there's a pocket of space-time no, where the... There's nothing good about the Orville. Oh, shut your face. Um, nothing. There, there's a pocket of space-time that exists where a planet, when it goes through its orbit, when it passes into our universe... Uh, it's there for about a week, and then when it goes away again, it goes away for like seven hundred years, and then uh, rotates back. The reason the I the reason I brought this one up specifically is that as they're back on their spaceship, Matthew McConaughey has twenty years worth of messages from his son and his daughter back on Earth, and the way he just like, I mean, he actually breaks down because Matthew McConaughey is a good actor, but the last one from his daughter is, you know, you. One of the things, you, one of the questions you asked, or the things you said before you left, was you, know, you talked about the differences in time relative to gravity because he has a very smart daughter, and that it might be interesting if you got back and were and we were the same age. And I'm sending you this because, well, today I'm today I'm exactly as old as you were when you left. 
and you know, watching McConaughey just you know shatter his soul upon the rocks of that realization is tremendous. Here it's uh, eh. again like there, there's so much that goes deeply unexplained. I think uh, the director Ava DuVernay, I want to say is her name. Whatever was, was really going for you know, uh, racial equality and representation. And she was going, you know, I, I saw the word Afrofuturism used. I think that was certainly part of it. Um, I think she was going for spectacle and color and, and all of that. And I don't think she focused on a lot of the acting. I think it was, well, I've got Chris Pine. He can act. Just kind of give him give him a nudge in a certain direction. To sure, that. he can act, and then you don't actually. Then you give him like ten minutes of screen time. <laughs> well, I, I think she. I got the I got the impression that they didn't want to weigh down a lot of that a lot of that conclusion with Chris Pine and his having to deal with the fact that he'd been gone for four years. This was the this was the girls' movie, Meg. This was Meg's movie, and this was about her and her arc. And here's the problem. Meg's not a terribly interesting character. And the kid did a serviceable job Ex- in the acceptable. role. Like, yeah, that's she's far fine. From the worst, that's far from the worst teenage acting I've ever seen. But if you're asking me to pay two hours of attention to this kid and, you know, and, and all of her nuance and performance and whatnot, it, there's just not enough there. Let me let me let me go back a second and tell you overall what I thought of this thing. Because you know, I shared with you my wife's thought... And like my initial reaction, but you know, like I said, I I felt like they didn't do a great job explaining how this universe worked. Um, number one, I, I feel like, and maybe because I had to walk out and get popcorn for my son at one point, and I missed the part where they actually tesseract to to Utopia, whatever the hell planet they were on. But I, they just kind of here. Here was a big problem I have with the first. Um, uh, the first part of this movie. You have these characters dropping in, like Mrs. What's-It, Re- uh, Reese Witherspoon, and then you have the, the Mindy character, um, whatever, you know, whoever she's playing. Um, and you have Charles Wallace. Charles Wallace was explaining every... I mean, like, they would give this kid just pages and pages of... Uh, Oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, sorry, brain not working tonight. Um, exposition. They they would just give him pages and pages of exposition. You still there? You still with me? I'm with you. Okay. Good. I was le- I deliberately let you flail around there. I knew what you were saying. <laughs> okay, terrific. Um, well, you never know with 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 Skype and these podcasts. <laughs> We've lost Jesse like that. Just poor Jesse had a five minute rant that nobody heard because he didn't realize he was offline. Um, they gave this kid pages and pages and pages of exposition delivered at the same pitch that the one kid from Fuller House delivers his lines at. For those of you who've seen our, who've watched our, for those of you who have listened to our TV party tonight with Pat and I talking about Fuller House, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who don't, it's just this high pitched little kid voice just going on and on and on, droning on and on and on about, about. Uh, about this universe and everything else, but doing it in the most obnoxious way possible. Like, he's not endearing in any way. He's just like... Because they made him a child prodigy. They made him a genius. 
they gave him that air of superiority and impatience that doesn't come across well on screen. It's not a character I particularly enjoyed or was rooting for. Um, and maybe that's and the done problem purposefully. with and the problem with child prodigies like that in fiction that is then translated into be that uh, stage or screen anything live action. You then need a child actor who is basically a prodigy to actually pull it off. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. it comes across badly. Like yeah, this, this, for example. Yeah, this just came across as whining. So anyway, so so the whole first uh, part of the movie is you're getting to know Meg, and okay, I guess if your father disappears for four years and people think you're a weirdo, that's kind of how life's going to go for you. I wasn't tremendously sympathetic. I was like, yeah, that that yeah. That's that's life, kiddo. I mean... The reality <laughs> is four years is enough time for you to have actually somewhat normalized his absence. Well, the no. human brain has a tremendous capacity for adaptation to adverse situations like that. But not only that, but I mean, if they're trying... If this is the author's way of like, oh, look how horrible her life is. Look how much she's bullied by these mean girls. Yeah. Um, <laughs> boy, Boy, did they undersell it. That that wasn't even like close to anything where I would be like, oh, I'm so you know, I, I feel so sorry for you. It's like, wow, that's like an average day at school for most kids. Anyway, um, and then she decks her with a basketball. I thought it was funny. Anyway, I mean, really, and then the principal. Uh, I, I wanted her to say like, as the principal, and then you hit her in the face. I mean, the correct response is her inability to catch a basketball is not my problem. Right. I threw. I, hey, look, I threw it to her. Can't, not my fault. She missed. Um. So there's that, and then we get to the world, and we're no sooner... That whole intro, once they get there, and then Reese Witherspoon turning into cabbage. Um, Romaine lettuce? <laughs> yeah. That went on way too long, and went absolutely nowhere. Like, they yeah. started flying somewhere, and then they, and then they went down, and, and everything just stopped, and then the, the witches are like, yeah, we can't go with you, sorry. He's got, you know. No, after that, they go see the happy medium. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they go see the happy medium, and yeah, the, 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 they find because that, hey, that, Zach Galifianakis needs work. They I they find know. that the it has the dad, and they're like, all right, well, you're on your own. Lots of luck. They didn't say you're on your own. They said <laughs> we have to. They no, they specifically said we need to get your mother involved, and we have to plan this out because we're going to basically break him out of maximum security jail. We can't go in there half-cocked, and again, teenage daughter goes, but I want my dad back, and yanks them all in. They're like, well, now you're screwed, and you're on your own, because we literally cannot exist in this place. Yeah, like, look, just the fact that I'm not explaining it well, I think, tells you I don't think it was... I don't think it was shown in the movie all that well. I don't think it was very well explained. Um, it's just... And like I said, the, the characters aren't interesting enough to really keep me enraptured in what's happening. So... And then and then there's the CGI itself and the, and the, scene, and, and the scenes and everything. Where it's like, alright, well, this isn't bad for a video game. And that's kind of it. I... I was really disappointed in this. I, rem, I, I kept it kept reminding me of Tomorrowland and the BFG. Actually, I, I preferred the BFG out of all three of those. I preferred the, the BFG the most. You know, in terms of you know it hitting all the it, it coming close to all the marks that it's supposed to. But I'll tell you, even Tomorrowland at least had something to say. 
I don't feel whatever this was trying to say. I either felt like this is nothing but pointless. This is nothing but endless virtue signaling. Look at how progressive we are. Look at how interesting we are. Look at how inclusive we are. Okay, but what's your story? Right. We're inclusive. Your story sucks. What are you saying about the world and about the nature of man? You should be nice to each other. Fuck you. That's my review. Yeah, I mean, there's so much about this that I that I really don't like. The bad CGI, for one, just constantly, constantly, constantly. I mean, that would have been mediocre CGI for a, a big AAA release on the latest console. <laughs> and in a $100 million movie, it's just a tad embarrassing. There's the, the endless, painstaking degree to which we are inclusive. Look at us. Yeah, it's very pandering. It really is. I mean, it's insulting in a lot of respect. One would have to almost imagine. I mean, first of all, to get anywhere in this story, apparently we must assemble the liberal uh, triad, which consists of Mindy Kaling, Oprah Winfrey, and, we- and Reese Witherspoon. I mean, it's nice to know this is how that whole movement decides everything. We assemble these three, and they decide things for us. I mean, I'm not comfortable with Oprah as an elected official at any level, much less Oprah as God. <laughs> yeah, well, you'd be in the minority there, sir. I'm really not. <laughs> uh, the, the dialogue in places of this movie, significant places, is so bad. It consists of literally nothing but characters screaming about what is actually transpiring on screen. Yeah. I know you want to be inclusive, but there are devices for the visually impaired to see films. <laughs> They don't actually need the characters helping with that. Yeah, this you know, it's really weird. Cause I don't know what else Ava DuVernay has done, but this definitely came across like somebody who doesn't understand how film works. Because it's like, we have to explain it to people. You can just show things. It, that, that's fine. You can, you, you can be creative in how you portray something on screen to show us some of this exposition show us some of this world building they're just like no we're gonna stand a cute kid in front of the camera and he's gonna shout for 20 minutes yeah the only other films she's done in terms that are like fictional she's done a lot of documentaries and television crap mostly documentaries oh that explains a lot i know yeah the only other ones that she's done are I will follow, which isn't very good. Um, it's your middle of nowhere, which I think was also not very good. <laughs> like these are all like pandering art house type films, which oh good because this was a pandering art house uh, science fiction movie. Okay, no, no, no. The the biggest thing she's done prior to this would be uh, Selma in 2014. Oh, well, that was good. It was all right. From what I've been told. It was all right. But, yeah, a lot of it is, you know, music videos, documentaries, crap like that. Like, (laughs) this is, yeah, I agree. This is not a woman who handles fictional narrative very well as a director. Just has not demonstrated that particular grasp yet. No. I'd have to watch some of her documentaries to see if she's any good at that, but... 
Yeah, because to me, that's a completely different skill set. Or it should be, but documentaries, you know, are largely going the way of the dodo in favor of, here, blackfish. <laughs> Never mind how stupid and inaccurate it is. Blackfish. Mm. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I just... Now I go. To I, I can't World. come up. Now with I go anything. to see. Now I go to SeaWorld in protest of of that movie and anyone who thought it was uh, worth something. I get a, <laughs> I get a special. Good for you. I get a special joy. Like my dad's like, do you want to go to SeaWorld? No, not really. But I'm going just 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 to screw just to say screw you to the people who don't like SeaWorld. Though the last time I did that, I actually had a guy who like I may, I happened to say something to him, just trying to make friends and be friendly. And he went on a 20-minute rant about Blackfish and people who don't understand how SeaWorld works. <laughs> Wait, was he on your side or on the other side? Oh, no. He was like a, he was like a lifetime member of SeaWorld. He was quite on the side of SeaWorld. Yeah, no, there's all these problems with everything that movie portrayed. Yeah, anyone with half a brain could tell you that. All right. Anything uh, else about this this uh, shithole of a movie? It's just not good. Like the, I can't think of anything really good to say about this film. So okay, so we we've now got two movies that they've done within a few years of each other uh, that were adaptations of children's novels, neither of which either did well or were good. And then there's Tomorrowland, which was there, and, and I'm bringing this up for a reason because. It's not that Disney puts out bad movies. Beauty and the Beast was the number one movie of almost of ninety nine point nine percent of twenty seventeen until the the Last Jedi came out. Um, clearly, their their IP does well, you know, their princess movies, that sort of thing. But the but their their film division does struggle outside of known Disney properties, you know. Like I said, Tomorrowland was a fucking mess, and 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 the and the whole thing there was here. We we want to get people interested in our parks. Take one of our parks and develop a movie around the idea of that part of the park. We'll give you an easy one. Tomorrowland. It's about the future. Go, and they gave us shit on a stick. The game is George Clooney's chin, which might actually be worse than crap on a stick. Um, and then it was like, okay, well, here's these two novels, one of which was directed by Spielberg, if I remember correctly. The BFG was, yeah, was a Spielberg BFG movie. was directed by Spielberg. And then you have this one, which has all the star power in it, you know, and all these people getting behind it. And it's it, like, it doesn't have a lot of star power. What it has is a lot of, oh, people, yeah, again, it has a lot of pandering and... Pandering and virtue signal. Okay, how do, you, how, do you, how do you say that it doesn't have star power and it's got Oprah Winfrey... Reese Witherspoon. Oprah Winfrey's not a star. You're a crazy person. What was the last movie she was in that did well? She uh, is a she is a fixture of popular culture that is not the same thing. It's not I, even. Close I had to a funny story. answer, and I can't remember the name of the movie now. I want to I want to keep saying the grapes of wrath, but that's not right. The color purple. You know how that, that's you know twenty how, years ago, and I know, blame that movie for her existence in popular culture. You know how I connect those two. Grapes are she purple. She was nothing before that. Did you hear what I said? I did. <laughs> grapes are purple. Not all grapes are purple. Not all of them. But that's how that connected in my mind. I was confusing the grapes of wrath with the color purple because grapes are purple. That's how my mind works. Anywho. Dude, mine goes through the... Sim like, if I have trouble remembering something, there's a 90% chance I connect it through at least two Simpsons episodes. 
Yeah, that's that's just that's, how my brain works. That is you all over, my friend. Um, all hey, right, all right. it's an easy way for me to create. I mean, really, it's an easy way for me to retrace the neural pathways that connect the information in my brain. It's a, it's just a, it's a mental cue to help neurons retrace themselves. Why it's really the, not all that complicated. Why does the Disney live action movie studios suck outside of princess movies? Why? Because they bow to the whims of. Again, whatever contemporary virtue signaling happens to be going on, whatever they think people want to hear about and will make them feel good. And they don't hire good people for that stuff. Again, Spielberg notwithstanding, you know, who directed Tomorrowland? I'd have to look. I have no idea. And look, the best star they could get with was Clooney. Clooney's not really a draw. I want to actually bring up the... Um... I want to see what uh, what the films here they've done. Okay, so uh, that's not a good list. So like Pirates of the Caribbean, those those started out well. That was another. Yeah. That was another. But again, you know, see, there's a lot of. In- I guess what I'm figuring out here is that there's a lot of inconsistency with Walt Disney Pictures because on the one hand, Pirates of the Caribbean and Beauty and the Beast. On the other hand, Tomorrowland and A Wrinkle in Time. And, and it's just, there's no... I can't f- seem to find the the commonality. You know, I can't seem to find what's connecting these movies of late that some are fantastic and others are for, for crap. Um, so, I'm just going to give A Wrinkle in Time... Uh, you have Pirates of the Caribbean. Just la- the, over the last couple of years, here's what they've put out. Um, A Wrinkle in Time. Crap. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Eh, meh. Beauty and the Beast, f- a phenomenon. Um, Queen of Kotwe, nobody saw. Peach Dragon, meh. The BFG, hot failure. Alice Through the Looking Glass was terrible. <laughs> um, yes, it was. The Finest Hours, nobody saw. (laughs) Nobody saw that. I saw that when I was donating plasma once because that's what they put on. Like, oh, wait, this is a thing. Uh, Tomorrowland was hot crap. Cinderella was a phenomenon. Uh, Into the Woods, I think, ended up being pretty good. No, it didn't. Okay. It really didn't. Uh, Look, it it had... It had, who was it, Meryl Streep and Johnny Depp? Like, no, that's not going to be good. Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. I have no idea if anyone saw that or not. I know my wife wanted People to. People saw it. It's not, it's a, it's a crappy, like, comedy of errors. Like, yeah. it's not the worst thing in the world, but that's all it is. It's just here, watch people bumble <laughs> <laughs> around. Um, Maleficent. The clown fiesta. Maleficent did well enough that it got a se- it's getting a sequel. Uh, Muppets okay. Most Wanted more or less revived the Muppets franchise for 20 minutes. Uh, Saving Mr. Banks, I think, was an Oscar nominee and was phenomenal. The it Lone... was an Oscar nominee, yeah. And now has, for some reason, several years down the road, spawned a Mary Poppins sequel because God hates me. Um, the Lone Ranger, which was hot garbage and was a financial disaster. Uh, Didn't they also do John Carter from Mars a few years before that? (laughs) They did John Carter, yeah, yeah. And that was also a financial disaster. Well, that Uh, was such a bad idea. (laughs) Oz the Great and Powerful was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I got to do an all trial on that just to see if I can find anything worth worth saving about it. Nothing. Uh, 
Not a darn thing. <laughs> John Carter, uh, again, financial disaster. Uh, on Stranger Tide, meh. Um, Tron Legacy, meh. <laughs> I think the issue, in all seriousness, I think the issue with Disney as a film studio is they, and this is both a positive and a negative, mm-hmm. they don't mind taking risks. They have such stability surrounding their Keystone properties, stuff like Star Wars, stuff like the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are going to be popular. Black Panther's already made a billion dollars. Right. Infinity War is going to make a lot of money. How much exactly? We'll have to wait and see, but it's going to be a lot of money. I mean, I'll be a little surprised if it doesn't hit a billion, in all honesty. Oh, Infinity War? That's going to make $2 yeah. billion dollars easily. <laughs> uh, you have the solo movie coming out, which is probably going to suck, but will likely be financially successful. Yeah, it depends on how much that they how much depends on how much reshooting the entire movie cost. Fair play, but they're, again, they're also able to do stuff like that. Like, no, we don't like this. Reshoot it. Well, what parts? All of it. <laughs> we want you to make a whole other movie. Really, is what we're saying here. So I, I, need I can't to... do that. I already did that. Get me Ron Howard. He'll make anything. Yes, yes, couple, he will. A couple of things you need to know before we end this bit. They're making a live action Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. It's coming out February 17, 2023. Terrible idea. We'll probably still be doing this podcast, though. I hope so. Um, so, so here's some movies. Wait, to... we... Okay, let me. We might actually be making money doing this if <laughs> the world turns in a particular direction. So here's some movies to be on the lookout for that are in that are in development for uh, theatrical releases. These are live action Disney movies: The Black Hole, which is a, would be a remake; Captain Terrible. Nemo; Cruella. That might actually be okay. Don Quixote. Oh, I wait. That's Disney. Yeah. The oh, film. that that kills so much of my interest because I don't think they'll do it right. Um, have you ever seen The Flamingo Kid with uh, Matt Dillon? I have not. Well, you should watch it and then be ready to see the Rat Pack Dune Entertainment remake of The Flamingo Kid that's in, that's none in of development. That, absolutely none of that is interesting to me on any level. I will probably not even see that movie. Oh, oh goody, we're doing another Haunted Mansion. Well, it can't be worse than Eddie Murphy. Inspector Gadget, It's a Small World, James and the Giant Peach. Really? Again? No, uh, no, the last, hang on, hang on. The last James and the Giant Peach was what, the uh, the stop motion, like Tim Burton one? I don't think it was Tim sure. Burton, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I mean, that came out when I was a kid. That's like 20 years old. Jungle Cruise, which I think has Dwayne Johnson attached to it. It has The Rock. The Little Mermaid. Magic Kingdom, Maleficent 2, The Merlin Saga. Oh, oh, oh boy. They're doing a live action Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Why? <laughs> what inspires this? <laughs> I'm only going to go see that if I can drive my car into the theater a la Mr. Toad. Um, I, I will say this. As far as their live action stuff goes, they do have that uh, Christopher Robin movie coming out later this year. Yep. It's on the list. I am I am not going to be able to sit through that movie. Like, if you ever want to see a grown man just break down uncontrollably, it's going to be me in the theater watching that. Like, I, I, I that's going to be just ugly crying everywhere. You want something to cry about? I'll give you something to cry about. National Treasure Three, Nine on Bald uh, Mountain. I don't actually care about that. Like, the first two are harmless 
mostly stupid adventure movies. Why are I can they live doing another Oz the Great and Powerful? <laughs> because, because, what the fuck, do I, dude? Do I have to break out the Vince McMahon picture? Because <laughs> fuck because you, that's why. That's why. <laughs> um, live action Pinocchio, a second Jungle Book, Sky High Two, something wicked this way comes. Wait, wait, Sky High Two. We're yeah. actually revived. We're gonna do that after you know twenty years. How long ago did that come out? A while. Ten years at least. We're doing a Tower of Terror movie, a Tinkerbell hey, look, movie. Hang on, your your something wicked this way comes adaptation. The first time around was terrible. How dare you? That is one of the great horror stories. It's one of the best Bradbury stories to go along with that. And you're just like, no, no, we, we, this has to be palatable for children rather than the actual morality play it's intended to be. Because no, we can't actually talk about good and evil in terms like that anymore. So for their streaming service, they're working on a new Father of the Bride, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and a live-action Lady in the Tramp. In all seriousness, though, why don't we? Why didn't we get a third Father of the Bride? I don't know. I, 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 mean, I we, barely remember the first one. We have, the way the second one ended, there was plenty of room to do a reunion show with all relevant parties. I mean, Steve Martin would still do it. Steve Martin's accommodating like that. I'm pretty sure Diane Keaton would still do it. She does a lot of crap. Can I just say that this movie sucks so bad that we've now spent at least 10 to 15 minutes discussing others' Disney pictures? Yeah, that's how bad this sucks. Don't see this movie. It's yeah. not like again. Let me say, let me refer. Let me re- say this again. I can't think of anything good to say about it. <laughs> I um, and I have found good things to say about a lot of terrible films. Hang on, Lily, come here for a second. Oh yeah, you're bringing your daughter into this. I could bring my son, but I'm pretty sure he was born halfway through and gave up on it. Lily, come here. (laughs) (laughs) Come be on the podcast. Save daddy, meat man. All right. So remember the movie that we saw. Come closer. You remember the movie that we saw on Sunday? Wrinkle in time. Yeah, wrinkle in time. Can you into this microphone tell the world what you thought of it? It looked. It was really cool. Okay, what was cool about it? Because it was that way. <laughs> okay, thanks, Jonas. Because um, um, all all the there was every place they went, like the like all the they except like the three um like the three witches. Yeah, like they. They change their clothes everywhere they go, but except for uh, the the human ones. Okay, so you like the movie because the three witches change their clothes. Yeah. Well. Excellent. Well, no, well, that's perfect. Okay. <laughs> Any, Jonas, anything about the movie you want to say? It's dangerous. It's dangerous. <laughs> I agree. That that <laughs> you heard it from my son, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> A wrinkle in time is dangerous. <laughs> good, good night. Uh, no. No, I'm trying not to feel. No, I'm trying not to show it in the scary part. That little bit's not cool. Oh, you didn't like it when the it had the guy? Yeah. Yeah, and the little boy was yelling at the girl? Yeah, it was scary. Yeah, it was scary. Okay, bye-bye, Jonas. Good night. Wow, your kids are pansies. (laughs) I mean, I assume they get that from you, Mr. I Hate Horror Movies. Whatever. My kids are (laughs) angels. Yes, yes. 
uh, well, sure, but that has nothing to do with their ability to process material that is even vaguely intense. Look, I'm not going to defend my son. The, 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 he, uses the, <laughs> he uses the phrase, I'm scared way too much. But I'm hoping he grows out of that. He's only going to... Well, somehow co-opting uh, the, uh, the tagline from Darkwing Duck. <laughs> it's dangerous. Um, All right. Yeah, can, look, can your, your daughter seems like she was easily distracted by bright, shiny things. And there's uh, a lot of bright, shiny things in this movie. There, you know, my, my daughter has a very mathematical side to her, but she also has a, she also has a very artist side to her. So, yeah, she's going to be attracted to things that are bright and colorful. And she's fucking and is, seven, dude. Relax. That, hang on. <laughs> let, let, me, let me rephrase. That is not limited to your daughter. Like, okay. seven-year-olds all over the world are attracted to bright, co- brightly colored objects. I'm sure my daughter thought Reese Witherspoon in this movie was the bee's knees because of her costuming. And the costuming is fantastic. That's, that's yeah. it. There's the one nice thing I can say about this movie. The costuming for the what's-its and the who's-its and the where's-its and the, the rest of the, and the rest of Whoville in this movie was pretty good. You can say that. I will not get into a debate with you over it at this point in time. Yeah, let's not have two straight men arguing over costuming, okay? Instead, let's talk about the money. Here comes the money! Here we go! Money talks! Here comes the money! Money, 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 money! <laughs> dollar, dollar! Dollar, dollar! All right, on a $100 million budget... A Wrinkle in Time, which came in second place this weekend to uh, Black Panther, uh, has earned $41 million. The weekend broke down uh, the, uh, the following. Uh, again, Black Panther broke another record. It's the fourth week in the number one spot. A Wrinkle in Time, as I said, debuted at number two. Strangers, Pray at Night, debuted at number three. Red Sparrow, Dropped from two to four, Game Night four to five, Peter Rabbit five to six, uh, Death Wish, as we reviewed here on Damn You Hollywood, three to seven, Annihilation, as reviewed by the good people at Red Letter Media, who I thought had a very interesting to say about Annihilation. They were like, if the Annihilation has an all, almost all female cast, it's science fiction, it's horror, it was well done, no one's talking about it. <laughs> Which is a crying shame, apparently. I've heard nothing but good things about it. Right. Yeah, apparently it, it didn't quite hit the, the pitches it needed to to get the liberals all hot and bothered. Um, the Hurricane Heist, I, which I also saw this weekend because I have a movie pass. Debuted I would have at, preferred reviewing. <laughs> debuted, it was so silly. Debuted at number nine. Fine. Well, look, I will take willfully stupid, like stealing money during a hurricane, over actively bad. Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Still earning money, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, dropped from 7 to 10. Gringo debuted at number 11. The Shape of uh, Having Sex with Water dropped from 11 to 12. Well, look, just call it Grinding Nemo, okay? <laughs> Terrific. <laughs> Grinding Nemo. <laughs> Where did you steal that from? Because you're not witty enough to have come up with it. I am moderately offended by that, and I stole it from Ben Shapiro. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um... The Greatest Showman is still earning money. Dropped from 9 to 13. Fifty Shades Free, Robert Winfrey and uh, Ronnie Adams' date movie, uh, dropped from 8 to 14. Thera- You're really going to... Like, he's going to show up at your house with a brick one of these days <laughs> if you keep poking him about stuff like that. Thoroughbred uh, debuted at 15. The Met Opera, um, Semir 
Summer, I mean, the, the, the uh, debuted at 16. Three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, dropped from 13 to 17. The Post, 14 to 18. Call Me By Your Name, 15 to 19. And a fantastic woman rose from out of nowhere, uh, 35 to 20. So there you go. Our, uh, uh, look, it's still it's a lot of post Oscar stuff. There's a lot of stuff that got some notoriety, be it just awards or actually winning things, and got re released. More people were interested in seeing them. So the the bottom half of the top twenty always looks weird post award season because stuff that was in some respects really really good just didn't uh, is getting another look. The number one movie in America is still Black Panther. The number one movie in the world is still Black Panther. Uh, in America... Uh, It'll probably still be number one next week, too. Um, yeah, I don't know, I think Tomb Raider's going to get a huge following. But um, we've got Fifty Shades Free, Peter Rabbit, Insidious, Maze Runner, Game Night, Twelve Strong, Den of Thieves, Paddington, and The Commuta. Uh, a Wrinkle in Time settled in at number 12 in America. Uh, and it's not going up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not going up at all. Uh, worldwide, the top ten breaks down this way. Uh, Black Panther. Weirdly enough, like the top five is just full of foreign films and Black Panther, Detective Chinatown Two, Operation Red Sea, Fifty Shades Freed, uh, Monster Hunt Two, and then we get into some of the more familiar ones here in America: Maze Runner, Paddington, City as Peter Rabbit, and rounding out the top ten is yet another foreign film: The Monkey King Three. And Wrinkle in Time settled in at number seventeen worldwide, and it's not going up. And it's not going up. <laughs> Uh, Tomb Raider, however, apparently is already out in some in some areas and is settled in at number twenty three, with fourteen million dollars worldwide. So good for Tomb Raider. And yeah, and that's that's prior. That's before it gets released in some major markets. Again, here I don't think it's out in China yet. Mm-hmm. So uh, going forward, a, a wrinkle in time is going to be summarily forgotten about uh, next weekend. We have Tomb Raider coming out. And then Pacific Rim, and between those two movies, no one will have remembered Wrinkle in Time even showed up this year. Followed by Ready Player One. So you've got increasingly yeah, stronger features. There's four. There's three or four. The next three or four weeks are significantly stronger films. And even if you're and one of them, and one of them might even knock Black Panther off the top spot. Who knows? It might be. You know, Pacific Rim did, did pretty well when it came out. Um, eh. I don't, it did well internationally, but everybody here complained about eh, there's not enough robot punching because we've conditioned to like Michael Bay films as opposed to films about actual characters. <laughs> well, this one looks like it's got it's amped up the robot the uh, the monster punching by robots. But uh, what I was going to say is the other thing also amped it, up the Charlie Day, which is never a good thing. If they're going to you know if you're a parent and you're like well. This is all well and good, fellas, but I'm not taking my kids to go see Tomb Raider, Pacific Rim, or Ready Player One. Though I don't know why you would skip out on Ready Player One. Um, you know what's coming? You might out? wait for a. You might, if you're a parent, you might actually wait for a couple of reviews from Ready Player One to, if you're not familiar with the material or well, how the adaptation has gone, to make sure that it's okay for them. But well, here's what I was going to tell you. If you're a parent and you're trying to figure out where to take your kid, you know what movie to take your kids to, you're taking your kids to Sherlock Gnomes. Everyone's Brooke. taking their kids to Sherlock Gnomes. <laughs> Mark, do not take your children to see Sherlock Gnomes. My kids want to go see Sherlock Gnomes. Do not, Mark, you are the parent. Do not <laughs> let them do that to themselves. You can't let them do that. 
We, uh, my, my, you know, my wife has offered to take them by herself, but, you know. You are the husband, you know best, you should not allow any of them to do this to themselves. Uh, you're acting like a, you're acting like a real rear end. What? You're at, it's a line from the, from the trailer. What, do, what am I doing now? You're acting like a rear end. Because he was the, he was the, uh, the back end of like a horse or a squirrel or something. Get it? He was acting like a rear end. Right. It was a cheeky I, way of calling him an asshole. Get it? I loosely understand. <laughs> um, I have no context, but I understand the words. So we'll just go with that. So back to A Wrinkle in Time. Um, $100 million budget. I'm guessing this is going to lose money. It's at $40 million now, worldwide. It's got a lot of competition. you got to get to 200 <laughs> Yeah. I mean, maybe it makes a hundred. I don't think it makes two hundred. I doubt it makes two hundred. I'd be a little bit surprised if it made one twenty. Yeah, I think this. I think this settles in at around a hundred, and then just dies. Maybe it does better on cable on um, not cable, but maybe it does better on streaming video in people's homes. Because you got to consider there are people probably willing to watch this from the comfort of their home, but they're not running to the theater to go see this. I mean, honestly, if I'm even Netflix, I'm not putting in a heavy bid for this. Like, yeah. if Amazon wants to pay a lot, like a couple of million bucks for it, let them. I don't think it's worth that. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Disney's got a streaming service that they're going to be debuting uh, in the in the near future. They need content without for a lot it. of quality content. They, well, they need content for it. And again, not not everyone is like us and sees all these movies. There are plenty of people who have yet to see Tomorrowland, who haven't seen the BFG, haven't seen. I a call them time. fortunate. <laughs> um, but all of these movies, I mean, just just think about the movies that I just read back to you. That was just in that was just since 2010. So you figure if they have the rights to all of those movies that they can shove onto the streaming service, they'll be okay. But you know, that's where I think a wrinkle in time lives. It lives on the Disney streaming service that has yet to have come to. Uh, it dies things. on the streaming service. It just sits there as a little you know thumbnail that no one ever clicks on. <laughs> okay. I suspect over time, you know, it, it it garners just enough interest, you know, be, you know as as the years go on. Um, that's nah. not just... <laughs> people like, wa- people uh, watch weird seriously, stuff. Seriously, if you want, I feel like that you're better off watching the again the made for the TV movie from like nine years ago. Is probably a better option than this. Uh, does Disney own that? Yes, they made it. It was made for the Disney Channel. Okay. Yeah, they've owned the rights to that movie to the book for a really long time. Like, yeah, every adaptation of this has been done by Disney. I'm wondering if part of their ownership um, is that they have to do something with it every every X amount of years. I don't know. It might be that. It might. I, I genuinely don't know mm-hmm. uh, the details of their deal there. I know they retained. I know they like bought an extension to their rights in like ten. Mm-hmm. Which All right. might have been pursuant to them actually putting out the movie the you know the made for tv thing in 09 so i don't know i have a question are you ready for this question i probably not are you ready no i said No, God, please, no, 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 
We need to re-record that, but you doing the Michael Scott part and just you, you screaming no. It's Steve Carell is better at screaming no than I am. <laughs> okay. So I have a. I actually have a real question for you now. Do, All right. Do I read the fresh reviews or do I read the rotten reviews? Because this is already rotten. You know, there, there's a lot of rotten reviews here. I think you should read whichever reviews are going to expose these people as being terrible at their jobs. Okay. Uh, I'm going to read a mix then. It's going to be a mixtape of reviews. Look, look, you read the people who need to have their stupidity called to the fore in a public forum. Now, some of these I'm going to read because they're amusing. Okay? That's just the way it is. Like this first one, for example. This is hilarious. Uh, Walter Chaw, Film Freak Central. Turning Reese Witherspoon into a smug piece of salad is probably not the best use of those millions of dollars. <laughs> smug leaf. <laughs> okay, that's that's fair. Like, yeah, how much how much of your budget did you blow on that transformation and flying sequence that could have been spent on you know anything else that would have actually advanced the plot? Yeah. That w- have you seen the our um, Metal Hammer of Doom extra on Planet Caravan? I think I've seen you link it, where it's just like bad CGI almonds that sprout on just <laughs> yeah. planets. That's kind of what I felt like I was watching in that scene. I felt like they should have been playing Planet Caravan over that entire sequence. I assume there's a significant portion of the population that would have accepted Pink Floyd as well, because there's yes. a bunch of morons out there that think Pink Floyd makes good music. They don't. Oh, I like Wish You Were Here. And money. Money! Bang. No, no, you like money. The song itself is irrelevant. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Allison Johnson of Cambridge Day. Luckily, DuVernay is in charge and able to add a spark to the proceedings, enlivening every frame with a refreshing gusto. Okay. let me. I'm going to say this, and somebody brought this up. This might be another thing from Ben Shapiro I'm stealing. The inability of people whose political stance align with elements of what this film to say to just say this movie sucks is shocking. <laughs> like, no, but it, it agrees with my position, therefore I must defend it, right? No, it sucks. Just say it. You'll feel better. <laughs> not asking you to change your political belief. Not asking you to change your life philosophy. This movie sucks. Just say it. No, she doesn't have a spark. Unless you mean badly rendered flash bulbs going off in the background. I mean, by that same logic, J.J. Abrams lends a spark. It's just a lens flare over and over and over and over again. <laughs> waka waka. Uh, Susan Granger of SSG Syndicate. Oh, we hate this one. We hate, we, we hate this is you. Family friendly yet frustrating. It's a psychedelic self-empowering power trip. Self-empowering trip. Yeah, that's pretty much dead on. The fact that you actually say that as though it's a positive is what bothers me. No, that was a rotten review. uh, Still, like, uh, you you get the sense that, like, no, no, the psychedelic self-empowerment is good. No, it's not. Like, as as a baseline, like, point of view, no, it's not. I feel like if you actually read that woman's that like that article, it would come down to I like so much about what this is trying to say, but wish it was said better. When really, what it's trying to say is stupid to begin with. Um, 
Alexandra McAaron, Women's Voice for Change. Top critic. <laughs> I wonder where this one's going. <laughs> hey, guess what? It's a fresh review. The best way to enjoy a wrinkle in time is to get past the Hollywood Drunk. royalty. <laughs> I was stoned. And superpowered special effects. Focus instead on Meg and her story and look forward to more adventures for girls in Hollywood's future. Okay. That seems like a the... PR piece, not a review. That... Again, let me. I really have to say it. Oh, this lines up with elements of how I like to view the world. I can't say it sucks. Say it with me. This movie sucks. Don't look at don't look at all the stars that we you know we need to actually draw money at the box office. Don't look at the millions and millions and millions of dollars we burned on CGI and then used to obfuscate the fact that our movie is terrible. But look, it's so pretty. No, it, it's terrible. Kath- it's brightly colored. So are streetwalkers. <laughs> Catherine Mung of Express.com. Some scenes are crafted with such care, you just fall right into them. But the overall result oh. feels at arm's length. A Mardi <laughs> Gras parade. <laughs> a Mardi Gras parade with a float shaped like Oprah Winfrey towering over the crowd wearing silver mesh lame and sequined eyebrows. And now you know someone at Mardi Gras is going to actually make that. Why would you put that out there? That's irresponsible. That thing would be a fire hazard. No, what scenes are crafted that well? Please, name me two. I mean, like, no, some of these scenes are really well done. Which ones? Didn't you feel for that girl when there was a nasty note on her locker? I'd have felt more if someone actually, you know, slammed her face into the locker. Like, crappy notes are like, no, they're just words. Like, grow up. Yeah, that sucks. Get over it. Um, Bob Mondello of NPR, top critic. Bet you can't guess where this is going. I can guess that it's fresh and that it deals with NPR, so it's of no value. Director Ava DuVernay has a light touch with these early scenes, though she gets Bull. seriously bogged. <laughs> though she gets seriously bogged down in special effects as the film goes on. Again, let me look. This is another instance. This guy, somewhere in his mind, knows this is a terrible movie. He knows this. He is aware of just how bad this is, but he can't bring himself to actually say it. So instead. Oh, look, when it's uh, it, it, what really is the fault what, what really causes the problems in this movie is like all the CGI and when it's just that small kind of intimate narrative in the beginning about the family dealing with the loss of the father it, it, that's good. That that's a good part of this movie. No. It's really not. This is really not handled well at all. But you can't just say this movie sucks because I don't know, will they revoke your membership to whatever the liberal club is I don't know like seriously it's just not good and you see all these people making terrible excuses on behalf of this because at some level it tries to reaffirm their worldview alright uh, this next one might be our get em Winfrey review of the evening Christopher, oh, please. Christopher Orr of the Atlantic top critic judged on its own terms a wrinkle in time is pretty good Perhaps even oh, for the love of perhaps even a quite good movie, but it is a children's movie. See it with a child, or as Duvernay recommends, with a child's wonder. 
Otherwise, probably don't bother seeing it at all. Okay. How many qualifiers did you just have to put on this to try and arrive at it's a good movie? See it with a child. You'll have a whole different experience. No, the movie will still suck, and you'll have exposed your child to something that sucks. And you should feel bad about exposing your child to something that sucks this much. You should too, Mark. (laughs) Watch it with a child's wonder. I am not entertained by flashing shiny objects. God forbid my brain developed. I don't consider this a negative trait. (laughs) Stop making excuses. This is better than your average music video. There are probably better music videos than this. Stop putting classifications on... Stop qualifying all this crap to try and justify this film. It's just not good. Look, uh, all of you morons... All of the liberal morons out there, uh, especially the liberal reviewers, last week when talking about Death Wish, went out of their way to make it a political thing. And... I mean, A, I don't think it was, and B, if it was, it would have lined up with a lot of my worldview. Didn't stop me from saying the movie sucked. Because it did. So does this. No, no, taken it on its own, it's it's pretty good. It's really not. Like, how much head trauma have you suffered? <laughs> All right. Uh... You want to watch this movie? Take a drink every time that they wind up with every time plot convenience rears its head in that film you will you'll be in the hospital 40 minutes in with alcohol poisoning (laughs) two more and then we're done here pete hammond of deadline hollywood daily it's got oprah diversity in casting good message but it's strictly for kids okay diversity in casting means nothing (laughs) like why like what's the there's there's no, but we have such a culturally diverse film, okay? Your movie still sucks. It doesn't mean anything unless it actually... Like, it is the most irrelevant thing in the world. Unless it actually pertains to the story you're telling. In this case, it doesn't. I mean, look, if you don't want to cast a white guy as Martin Luther King in a biopic, fine, I get it. That's fair. <laughs> If you want to change the race of characters for whom it does not play a role in their narrative, I mean, you're just making, you're just trying to make yourself or other people feel better, but okay. As long as you're not actively detracting from the story, I can deal with it. Oh, they made Heimdall a black guy. Heimdall's a mythological figure. Doesn't actually <laughs> exist. All right, last one. Joshua Rothkopf of uh, Time Out, Top Critic. No Hollywood film can ever solve the central problem of adapting this book in that it inevitably does too much of the imagining for you. DuVernay makes a big-hearted go of it, even if she seems slightly dazzled by her own magical mystery tour. Say it with me, everyone. This movie sucks. That's all you have to say. That is, that is the extent of what you have to type out. I mean, you should type more if you want to actually justify it, provide an opinion, or enrich the discussion surrounding it. But look at the length. Look at the linguistic gymnastics these people do to try and avoid saying this movie sucks. It is shocking. It is just shocking. And look, to be fair, that guy raises a good point. Like, anytime something that leans so heavily on what is not on the page on letting your imagination do the work for you. Anytime you try to take that away, there's a lot that's going to be lost. That's very true, and that's very fair. 
That just makes it hard to do. It doesn't make it A, impossible, or B, excuse the fact that this isn't good. Oh, the source material's hard to adapt. Say it with me, this movie sucks. No, but you see the source material and then, you know, all the visual effects and stop. Say it with me, this movie sucks. It is as plain, as simple, and as easy as that. And why they have such a hard time saying it, I don't know. I can tell you why. Um, right it's in the Wikipedia. Oprah owns half of them and Disney owns the other? No, it's, it's very simple. If you go to the Wikipedia page, right? Under production, there's a picture. It's a picture of Ava DuVernay. And it says, DuVernay became the first black woman to direct a live-action film with a budget of over $100 million. And if this is any indicator, it won't, she'll be the first for a long time. Well, I think there's people who, because of that fact, they don't want to say anything bad about the movie lest they be called racist. You know, look, Mark, you and I are, if anyone actually listens to this, we're probably going to be called multiple times the racist, biggest, sexist homophobes. Have I mentioned how much I think uh, Adrian Palicki is a hot totsy? What does that have to do with anything? Um, well, of all those things, if I'm going to be accused of anything, I'm going to I'm just going to turn right into being sexist and comment about you know about a. I have how do you this, get over that mold between her eyes? I don't know. I mean, it's no 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 woman is perfect. I'm I mean, not saying that some Hayek's saying... close, but. Look, uh, this is this is just a question from me to you. If you don't have an answer, I don't have an answer as to why it bothers me. That's fair, but okay. No, I think I think the last couple of things I've seen Adrian Palicki. I mean, I mean, now granted, she's much cuter since Aquaman, but you know, she's she's you know, I she, I thought she was very pretty on the Orville, and I thought she was very pretty as Mockingbird on Agents of Shield. Two things I haven't seen. Oh, that's why you don't think that. There you go. There's your problem. What's All the right. last thing I saw her in? Because I've seen her recently. I've seen pictures of her, you know, but... All right, let's bring up Adrian Palicki. For no apparent reason whatsoever, in a review of You brought it up, time, sure. Let's bring up Adrian Palicki. Sure, we have five <laughs> minutes to kill on this bit. Let's go for it. <laughs> uh, you know she was in a pilot of Wonder Woman that never aired? Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Apparently it was terrible. All right, um, so... The last couple of movies she's been in, she was starting in 2010. She was in Legion, Electra Lux, Red yeah, Dawn. I, hang on, I actually did see Legion, and yeah, she is in that terrible movie. Uh, Red Dawn. She's in. She's Lady J. Oh, in, she's in the Red Dawn remake. That's right. <laughs> she's Lady, movie's so bad. She's Lady J in GI Joe Retaliation. She's in fucking John Wick. See, if you told me she was in John Wick, I'd actually go watch that movie. Oh, yeah! She is in John Wick. She tries to kill him in the hotel and then gets executed because you don't do business in the hotel. God damn it's it. It's one of the rules that allows the hotel to exist. She's in a movie called SWAT Under Siege. Not seen it. All right, so here's what she's been on but TV. Yeah, yeah. John Wick would be the last thing I saw her in then. So here's something she's been in on television. She was in the Orville. She was in, she was in an cool. unaired pilot. As Mockingbird for Most Wanted, she was in Agents of Shield. She was yeah, most terrible. She was in a movie called This Is Why You're Single. She was in, terrible. She was in ten episodes of About a Boy. She was in one episode of Drunk History. She was in two episodes of From Dusk Till Dawn, the series, an That's unaired terrible. pilot of Wonder Woman, an episode of Criminal terrible. Minds. Uh, yeah, she was actually. She was in. Uh, she was one half of that uh, psychotic uh, spree killer couple. Yeah. 
Uh, she was in an episode of CSI Miami. Terrible. And that's right. As are all CSI, regardless of what you put after the parenthesis. It's all, my, it all sucks. My mother-in-law is a huge CSI fan. She watches all of them. I, I really don't care. That mm-hmm. does not at all change the fact that they're terrible, especially mm-hmm. Miami. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just sharing that there are parts of the world where people enjoy those things. Yeah, all retirement right. homes where they used to watch JAG reruns, and now they watch NCIS. All right, so this has been your coverage of Adrian Palicki's career once again on, <laughs> on the Rattledge of Broadcasting Network. But seriously, folks, uh, next week, uh, right here on the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network, uh, Robert won't be here, but uh, Ronnie Adams of the Screaming Podcast and uh, Jesse Zarcher of the Source Material Podcast uh, will be reviewing Tomb Raider. But before that... Uh, Fact, you, you need two people to equal me. That amuses me. Um, before that, if you haven't had your, your fill of Mock and Robert, we'll all be getting <laughs> together again this Thursday, that's two days from oh, now, boy. to review the new Jessica Jones Season 2. Uh, and like I said... It's not good. <laughs> next week is Tomb Raider, then Pacific Rim, um, then Ready Player One... We take a break from the movies, and we, we're going to review WrestleMania. I'm assuming you're going to be on for that. Eh, maybe. Uh, then after that I mean, The is, number of things I would rather do than watch WrestleMania is pretty significant, but... Then after that is Rampage. Then we have a pair of TV party tonights, one for DC's Legends of Tomorrow, the other one for Lost in Space. I don't know if you're going to be on either one of those. Um, I might be convinced to be on the Lost in Space one. Okay. And then, but I we, will not watch Legends of Tomorrow. I, I can't. Just no. Oh, this this last one, Amazing Grace, was phenomenal. It was probably my favorite episode of television since anything from The Wire. Um, Your intention for exaggeration is strong. No, it's really that good. It's it was amazing. Then uh, we hit the summer strong, beginning May first with our review of Avengers: Infinity War. Um, then. We skip if two. less than three heroes die in Infinity War, I will try to start a riot. <laughs> then we skip. I won't two. be successful because I live in Utah and we don't really do that. But then we skip two weeks because schedule, and then we go Deadpool solo. Ugh. Um, like that's the last. That's like my last shred of hope for a halfway decent movie is Infinity War. And there's this two weeks I have to come to grips with the inevitable death of my soul. So you I have to funny. watch crap like Deadpool. I keep saying we hit the summer hard, but there's like two week breaks in you know in between like each group of movies. So like I said, we have a two week break. Oh, at the moment, between... it, bear in mind the schedule will shift again next oh, week. Go they fuck yourself. You. Um, I'm not wrong. <laughs> so we got Avengers, then a two week break, and then we have Deadpool and Solo, and then another two week break. Um where we'll be doing an on-trial for Forrest Gump versus... Oh, gosh, what was the other one? Shawshank Redemption. Um, Both really great movies. Then a TV party... Oh, wait, for... are, you, oh, are you guys, like, revisiting the Oscar debate from that year? Yes. Um, you need a third party to pitch for uh, Pulp Fiction. You know, Andrew Graham said the same thing. We're doing an entire episode dedicated to Pulp Fiction next year when Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood comes out. All right, all right. Um, that was such a great year. That was such a great year for movies. <laughs> so then we're, we're doing a TV party for Legion, and then, we, then we're back in the saddle again with Incredibles 2, Jurassic World. <laughs> oh, um, God. So much um, of my hate. 
And then there, there's not a TV party, but a, not a damn you Hollywood, but a TV party for Luke Cage on July 3rd. What, uh, is he coming out? Yes. And then we got Ant-Man and the Wasp, Skyscraper, then another break. <laughs> we'll be doing Voltron Season 5, finally. So, so technically, we're not so much, you and I are not so much breaking as we're breaking this particular show. Um, and then we've got Mission Impossible. Boo. Um, Christopher Robin, boo-hoo. Oh. No, <laughs> I, again, I will be a sobbing, blubbering mess watching that in the theater. Uh, then we have an on-trial. An absolute wreck. I, won't even be, I probably won't even be able to talk about it. I'll come back from the film and just be like, Mark, I can't speak. I have <laughs> lost my voice sobbing <laughs> at all the memories from my childhood surrounding that cast of characters and Ewan McGregor just pulling my heart out and stepping on it. I just I can't do it. And then we wrap up the summer with our our annual summer wrap up show on August twenty first, um, because September is a fucking dumpster fire as usual. Especially since everything that we were going to watch has moved out of September. Like they all like apparently all the films we were going to review in September ran away from September, except for Predators who ran into it. Yeah. It's a again the schedule is a fluctuating thing and Mark tries to carve it in stone and studio executives laugh. <laughs> All right, with that said, what do you uh, <laughs> As Mel Brooks once said, "Okay, faggot, what's next?" Ah, Mel Brooks. You are too pure for this world. Um this coming Saturday I have coverage of UFC Fight Night 127. It's not a good card. And you can listen to the latest edition of the 411 Ground and Pound radio show, where Pat Mullen, Jeff Harris, and I express to you how not a good card that is, because it's really not. Uh, Sunday, we will, at 8 p.m., we will review that card. Should be another quick one. And that's all we're doing. The Sunday after that is when things get interesting, because we will be previewing UFC 223, which, as uh, the main event's about as good as MMA gets. Uh, it's Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov for the, and there's a lot of needless confusion about this point. Hang on, let's, Inter- see if they, let's see if they actually make it into the cage this time. A, yes, there's still a few weeks to go for one of them to fall off, and I believe it's Tony's turn. They, they've tried to make this fight like four or five times, and they've just alternated who falls out, and it makes me <laughs> sad each time. Um, but again, Tony is the interim lightweight champion, and when they promoted this, they tried to promote it for the UFC lightweight title. But anytime someone asked them if Conor McGregor had been stripped of the lightweight title, Dana's response was as follows: "Did I say Conor's been stripped? No. Next question." Dana White's not asshole. a joke. Not a joke. Exactly what was said when he said, "No, it's for the it's for the you know the UFC lightweight championship." So you stripped Conor. Did I say Connor had been stripped? No, but next question. So you're not actually going to address the giant elephant in the room. <laughs> All right. Terrific. So, but anyway, as a fight, like, that's the best, that's as good as MMA gets. Like, that is such a great fight. Uh, the co-main event is, I believe, the rematch between Rose Namajunas and Ioana Jacek. so I don't care. Really? Uh, yeah. Don't care. The future ex Mrs. Robert Winfrey is fighting, and you don't care. And give me a reason to care. I don't have one. 
Like, I saw their first fight. It ended in the first round. It ended decisively. I don't need to see an immediate rematch. Oh, you sound like a man whose heart is broken. No, look, she lost. She got knocked out in the first round. She looked awful while doing so. The weight cut's starting to get to her. She was Had she beaten Rose, she'd mentioned she was going to move up to flyweight anyway. You're wasting everyone's time. Move up to flyweight, lose to Valentina Shevchenko, like everyone else in that division. <laughs> okay. What? You just sound like a you sound like a bitter lover. What? I I that is not at all what I am at trying to come across as. But okay. Joanna Champion broke your heart. It's fine. Just admit it. How? I can. What? I've never met the woman. You love her. You know you do, and you're sad that she lost the title. I do not love her. I again. I've never met or interacted with her at all under you, any medium, any you, platform, you any think, circumstances. You think she's dreamy and want to have 10,000 of her babies. Uh, once again, as a man, I cannot have babies. <laughs> even if I declared, even if I tomorrow declared myself a woman, still couldn't have babies. Oh, you can if you try. No, you can't. There's biology in play and it matters. Magic, ma- magic happens. Just, Magic just, does not happen. You just have to believe. That is not how that works. Any of it. <laughs> you can tell I'm 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 starting to get sleepy, can't you? Just a little. Um, the rest of that card, jeez, the rest of that card fell apart. Man, yeah, you've got okay. Ally Quinta and Paul Felder's pretty good. Kiesa and Pettis isn't bad. Why is it beat Magomed Sharipov on the first fight of the evening? This is—is is that a person or are you having a stroke? Is it beat Magomed Sharipov? Yes, that's a person. He's a fighter. He's really good. I'm not convinced and, of that. I'm convinced you're having a stroke, dude. He's from Dagestan. They have weird last names. What do you want me to do? Uh, okay. I'm not going to come up with some more westernized name to call him just to make your life easier. Nope. We're called, we're from now on. His name is Jeff Smith. No, it really isn't. But, no, he's... So who is Jeff Smith fighting? uh, Zabit is fighting Kyle Botniak. But, again, he's, like, curtain-jerking the whole thing on Fight Pass. Uh, Look, Magomed Sharipov is actually someone I'm really looking forward to over the next, like, four years at Featherweight, moving up towards title contention, possibly even becoming champion. The guy's very, very good. Okay. He's already had two fights in the UFC that he looked really, really good, and now he's... Yeah, we lost Evan Dunham and Merbeck Tysimov because the Russian government like doesn't like Tysimov being Chechen. Seriously, he's having visa problems, and I don't know that it's entirely stemming from that, but wouldn't shock me. Again, the t- the, the main event is about as good a fight as you're going to get, so Pat, Jeff, and I will break that down for you in a couple of Sundays from now. And I think that's it as far as my... Uh, plugs go again. I will not be here for the Tomb Raider review. I will be on vacation because there's only so much I can take. <laughs> That's all I can stand to the can't stands no more. And actually, this is a family thing and it was scheduled a long time. Like, regardless of what was coming out that weekend, I was going to mess it to do the family vacation thing. Mark will make me now use this as my one get out of jail free card for the year. But... Oh, yeah, you're done, buddy. I will. I've decided that the next time you try to make me see something I really, really like object to, I'm going to watch something else and just review that while you review the other thing. 
I told just you. Just for my own amusement. I told you. You got out of Barbie. Lucky you. Barbie stopped being made. No, it just got pushed off. Until what, 2025? Oh, I don't remember anymore. I can't keep track of these <laughs> they kept putting it. They kept putting it on the schedule and kept moving it back and back and back and back. And Mark was like, we're going to review this. And they're like, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you ain't neither. They haven't even filmed it. Like The last few times it was like, okay, it's scheduled for this release date. All right, when did filming start? Filming date to be determined. Like, no, you're not coming out. Not on that date. Um, I believe it's 2020. Sure, maybe they'll actually get a script together before 2019. Let's see. Let's look at the old calendar here. Let's. Uh, I know I have it somewhere on here. It's and just. It just maybe. keeps moving and it keeps not getting made. I feel like it's May. May of 2020. Sure, we can loosely say it. That's when it's coming out. Maybe it's then it May. Won't be. Maybe it's May of 2019. Let's see. Let's take a look at that. Maybe it's May of 2025. Uh, now I'm gonna have to look it up. All right. Anyway, since people have hung on long enough, that's everything, I believe. While Mark desperately tries to find the release date for the Barbie movie. This is important to uh, me. Sure, it's not important to the listeners. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know, that that's not fair. It might be. To anyone out there, it might be important. Um, no, it is 2020. Right. That's what I thought. May for 8th, now. 2020. There you go. For now. It'll yeah. change. I'm sure Barbie and Gambit will be arguing over the same release date in 2030. No, no. Gambit will have, like, once Marvel buys Fox, the Fox, uh, all of that, they're going to look at the Gambit movie and go, no. <laughs> like, no, no. They're desperately trying to get that thing out before that merger finishes. Because once it does, that movie is dead. And all the money they spent on pre-production... Bear in mind, not even actual filming, but pre-production goes away. All right, let's end this fucking podcast. Oh, now that I brought up the gambit's never going to be a thing, you're all <laughs> annoyed with me. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Um, all right, so that's everything for me. Mark will be back next week to talk Tomb Raider with Ronnie and Jesse. Should be a lot of fun. I will be. You know, I'm not going to tell you what I'm doing. I'm on vacation. Not even going to tell you. Screw you all. It's my private time. You don't get to horn in on it. Not that any of you do. Uh, all right. Until next time, it'll be a couple of weeks for me, but that's Mark. I'm Robert. You're all you. Thank you for listening. Please continue to be well, be safe, and behave. Oh, shit. Wrong one. <laughs>